Hi, I'm Cece, and welcome to the Barry Dyers Podcast, where we share our most intimate insecurities, bariatric stories, and battle with obesity. So grab a cup of inspiration with me as we figure out life, post-op, together. We are so excited to announce that ProCare Health is sponsoring the Barry Dyers Podcast, ProCare Health is specially formulated for bariatric patients and know what our bodies need. Not only do they take out the guesswork and make it easy for us to achieve our vitamin goals, but they also give us vitamins that taste like dessert. Win, win. And they're easily digestible. Did I mention dark chocolate squares and cinnamon rolls? Give them a try. Use code BERRYPOD to save at ProCareNow.com. Today I have Casey. You can find her on Instagram. It's at kc.vsg. She had her surgery on November 17th, 2021. Her starting weight was 234 and her current weight is 137. And she's from DC. I'm so excited to have you here, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So what does that feel like to be 137? Just to say that number. It's kind of crazy. I I never thought I would get here. I I think the last time I weighed this, I was probably in like fourth grade or something. So it's um it's kind of bizarre. So you struggled throughout your school years being overweight. I did. Yeah, I think my first memory of like realizing that I was bigger than other kids was in the third grade. Um, you know how kids are mean. Some kid picked on me, and that was like my very first memory that I have of being like, oh, I guess this is. A bad thing. Um, and then I struggled with my weight my entire life. I think I, I thought like in college, I thought I was huge in hindsight. I, I wasn't, I was overweight, but I wasn't, you know, morbidly obese. Um, but it really became an issue in grad school. I kind of, I, I got my PhD and I spent six years in grad school and I just steadily gained weight over those six years and just like could not lose it. And that's really kind of when I, I think I tipped the scales from being overweight to being like severely obese. What was your BMI at surgery? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was 37. And I think when you're younger, like in college, you know, I was wearing a size 14. um, But my friends were all wearing a size two. So comparatively, I felt huge. I can look back at that in hindsight and say like, no, a size 14 is great. And I looked fantastic. But you know, you kind of, your point of reference is where you are at that time in your life. So I I can definitely relate to that. How did you hear about bariatrics? TikTok, actually. (laughs) Um, I had been, I'd been obese and and had struggled with my weight for a long time, but I'd always kind of thought of myself as being a healthy, big person. I was pretty active. I played sports. Um, I didn't have any health issues that I was aware of until one day I did. I got routine blood work done and I realized I found out I had prediabetes and high cholesterol. And that was like shocking to me because I had always kind of thought like, well, I'm bigger, but I'm, I'm healthy. And then, you know, to realize like, okay, this is actually becoming a problem uh, was not great. So my primary care doctor, of course, had the standard answer of, um, well, just diet and exercise and lose weight and, and, you know, you'll be able to take care of these things. And I was like, well, I've been doing that for my entire life and it's not working. So I don't know what else to do. And then kind of serendipitously, I was scrolling on TikTok and I saw this girl who looked about my size, you know, I think in my mind, bariatric surgery was what you saw on my 600 pound life. And I had no idea that it was an option for someone like me. And so when I saw her and I saw her transformation and what she looked like before, and I was just like, wow, this is, I had no idea. Um, And so then I started a a deep dive into the world of bariatric surgery and figuring Mm -hmm. out, you know, if I would qualify. So I ended up having to kind of advocate for myself with my primary care doctor to pursue it. Um, I went through the testing with my insurance to see if I had uh, qualifying comorbid conditions because my BMI was under 40. Um, and ultimately, they denied my coverage for it. They said my prediabetes and high cholesterol and asthma were not bad enough yet. And so that I, I would not 
be covered for bariatric surgery. But in that process, I talked with bariatric surgeons who basically said, you know, you're an ideal candidate for this because you will have a really good result with bariatric surgery. You'll be able to reverse all of these issues. Um, and so I just, I knew that that was what I needed to do, whether insurance was going to cover it or not. It's a huge struggle. I think mine, the only reason I got approved was because I had a history of breast cancer. And so mm. they pushed that through. I got approved within like I mean, quick, as soon as I finished their you know, classes or the things that you have to do to get qualified. Mm -hmm. It was like the next day I found out I was approved, but oh, that's yeah. amazing. But it was just because of the breast cancer that I had in 2011. So mm -hmm. it wasn't it, it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but because it was in my history, they were like, give it to her. Just give it to yeah. her. You know? What did you end up doing? Uh, so I actually ended up going to Mexico. Yeah. I first thought I would pay out of pocket somewhere close to home in the DC area. Um, and I, I met with a really great surgeon who I would have loved to have gone with, but the self-pay price was about $30,000. So then I started looking into other options. And of course, like everyone else who, you know, when you first hear about going to Mexico for surgery, you're like, that's insane. I would never do that. Um, but the more I researched it, the more comfortable I felt with it. And I found a great surgeon who, um, he has a bariatric center of excellence down there. I was able to do a video consult with him, which just made me feel really comfortable uh, with his ability and, and the care that I would get down there. And, um, and so that's what I did. So how much was it? And where did you go in case anybody's wondering? Yeah. So it was about $8,000, which is a little bit more than other places in Mexico from what I understand, but, um, it, I, I was happy to pay a little bit extra just for, you know, to feel comfortable with my surgeon. And yeah. I went to Dr. Alvarez, um, he, his facility is called endobariatric and he is in a city called Piedras Negras, I think is the, I'm, I'm sure I butchered that, but it's, uh, it's not in Tijuana. So it's, um, you fly into San Antonio, Texas, and then, um, it's just right over the border. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. it went good. I mean, you had BSG, obviously, and you, yeah, it, it went great. You know, yeah, it's it's been textbook recovery. If I've, I've had a, a really good experience, no issues really at all. Mm -hmm. Did the weight just kind of come off by itself, or did you have to really work on it? Because I think there's some of us, and this is just me throwing a theory out there. I don't know, but there's some of us that the weight just never comes off for whatever health reason, unknown factor that we cannot figure out what it is for mm -hmm. some of us. And then we have the surgery and then it just comes off like gradually and easily. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's some of us that it doesn't, but I was just, I'm curious why yours came off. What was the issue that you couldn't do it before that, you know, VSG got you there. I've always felt like anyone who has struggled with their weight probably knows the most about being healthy than anyone else in the entire world, because you spend your whole life trying and trying and trying and trying to make it work. And so for me, it felt like I knew all the things to do. And I, I had been doing them for a long time. I had been eating healthy and staying active and you know, all these things, but like just nothing was working. And then surgery kind of made everything click into place. And it did sort of, I, I don't want to say it was easy because it's definitely not easy. It's a complete lifestyle change that you have to fully commit to. Um, but it did kind of make things just, yeah, just sort of click into place or like, you know, it felt like maybe the missing ingredient of a recipe that I had been trying to make that I finally could because I had this, this new tool and this missing thing. Um, and so I did, I, I lost weight very rapidly in the beginning, I think from about, you know, months one through four or five, I lost a lot of weight and then it slowed down. And then I stalled at about month seven. So from month seven to 10, I really lost no weight at all. And then I've lost the last 15 to 20 pounds since, since then, just really in the last couple of months, it kind of kicked, it kicked in. The way I always phrase it is bariatric surgery for me was like a reboot to my system. It yeah. like rebooted it. You've been searching all of these years. Yeah. 
and to find what actually worked is just, it's just amazing. Yeah, it really is. And I'm certainly not the person to speak on the science of this. I'm sure there are people far more qualified than I am, but I feel like I, I've heard that bariatric surgery kind of allows your body's set point to be lowered. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've, I've seen that in myself where like, um, you know, once you get to that new set point that your body would never let you get to before, it isn't like, I'm not restricting myself every single day to maintain it. It's a relatively easy place for me. I think that there's something that bariatric surgery does that's fundamentally different than anything that we can do with diet and exercise. Whereas before I would lose a little bit of weight, but my body was like fighting me to get it back on as quickly as possible. And that didn't happen when I lost weight with surgery. And I don't really understand the science behind that, but I think that's really kind of that magic piece of it is that it really changes your body metabolically to allow you to get to that point without having to, you know, fight yourself to stay there. I mean, everybody who's tried to lose weight knows that you lose those 15 pounds or 20 pounds and you're like, yay, I did it. And then your body's like a week or two later is like, no, mm-hmm. and you gain it all back out of nowhere. You're like, what yeah. the hell? I didn't do anything. But your body yeah. just takes you back to that set point, you know, and it mm-hmm. wants you to be at that number. It's crazy. But yeah. So what does it feel like now? Go look at her Instagram, guys. KC.VSG. You're like so beautiful. I mean, you're, you were beautiful <laughs> then, but you're just like you did it. Like it's it's just a really beautiful thing to see that it just it gave you that missing ingredient, like you said. And now you still are the same Casey the same lifestyle, the same eating, but now you're free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think I still, it's still new. So I still struggle with the body dysmorphia. Like I understand objectively, you know, I wear a size four, six, and like, that's pretty small. But when I look at myself, I, I don't necessarily see that. And I still have moments of like, um, I don't know, like this. So I went surfing with one of my good guy friends this past weekend and he's, he's my best friend's boyfriend. So we're, you know, and he's one of my good friends too. So we're very much just friends, but he's like a really good looking fit guy. And it was just the two of us going surfing and we were sitting at a restaurant and, um, the waitress made a comment that she clearly thought we were together, like boyfriend and girlfriend. And I thought in my head, like, Oh, that's so funny that she would think that like this hot guy would be with this fat girl. And then I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, that's, that's not true anymore. Yeah. But like my brain just thinks that still. So like those kind of things just are still there. And I don't, I don't know if that'll ever go away. I totally get it because we just have such low self-esteem and, you know, we just don't think of ourselves and that's all of us who have, we need to start a, I lost all my weight club because <laughs> it's such a struggle. It's like, you know, you think you'd be like, look at me, you know, <laughs> but you don't feel that. I have to constantly tell myself yeah. too, your pants are size two. You're, you're little, there's no way you're wearing a small or, you know, and you mm-hmm. got to be little, right. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's hard to tell your brain. It is. Yeah. Sometimes I'll hold up my clothes and I'm like, this absolutely does not fit me, this tiny pair of shorts. And then it does. And it's like, just blows my mind every time. How did you get into surfing? How did you get into it after bariatrics when, you know, you couldn't really eat a lot? How did you balance that? Not being able to eat as much protein and all that before? you work out. And... Yeah. So I, I didn't actually do a lot of really serious working out until I was six months post-op. I tried to do an orange theory class here and there in the beginning. And I, I felt physically sick for like a couple days after, and I realized I just wasn't eating enough to sustain that kind of workout. Um, so it did take me a little while to get to the point of eating enough to be able to be that active. Um, but now I, I'm a lot more intentional about what I eat when I know I'm going to be active. So I've, you know, learned I need, I need protein, but I also need carbs if I'm going to be, you know, needing that kind of short burst energy to, Mm -hmm. to do some kind of activity. So I'll, you know, have something kind of carby to fuel a run or, you know, fuel a surfing day or whatever it is. Um, 
But I think at this point, you know, being over a year out, I do feel like I can eat enough to to be active, but it did take a little time to get there. It's it's so weird how um, some of us really get into fitness and some of us really struggle. I think if it was there for you before, then it's going to be there after. But like, mm-hmm. I still struggle with exercise, though. I just, I'm just so lazy. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I have a I hard it, time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I am like, like, I, I do enjoy being active, but I'm probably never going to be someone who wants to be in the gym seven days a week or doing two a days or anything crazy like that. That's, I don't find enjoyment in that, but I do find enjoyment in doing things like playing volleyball and surfing and, you know, going on a, a nice light jog or things like that. So I, I think it's more important to find the movement that you like that, yeah. you know, makes you happy. And even if it doesn't look like what everybody else is doing, that doesn't really matter. Yeah. That's the hard part. Finding what fits you. Like I, the only thing I really love is hiking. I've always liked hiking yeah. and I just love, you know, I can do seven, 10 miles have a backpack like I love hiking I think that especially when you go to different places and there's different sceneries or like secret trails and it just looks beautiful I I do like that but um do you swim a lot too um no I I've never been a swimmer really so you're not scared in the water surfing what if you fall off your (laughs) surfboard I mean I'm just curious I'm I'm scared of the water like I'm I'm scared getting that far deep out there and like I'm scared oh no I love it um I grew up in Florida and I I spent most of my life in the water at the beach on the ocean so um it doesn't doesn't really scare me um I love it it's my happy place oh how did your family feel about bariatric surgery whenever you brought it up or did they accept it well or did they say Casey you don't need to lose weight or (laughs) you're not that big you're not big enough for that surgery So this is going to sound crazy and I'm not saying anyone else should do this, but I didn't tell them until after I had surgery and they were super supportive. I think they were really surprised and a little bit like, why didn't you tell us that you were doing this big thing? But I think the main reason that I didn't tell anyone to start with was that I wanted to make sure it was my decision completely. I didn't want to have those outside voices saying, oh, you're not big enough. Like you can do this on your own, you know. I just didn't want any, any outside opinions. I wanted it to be completely my decision. And then I think as, as it got closer to actually doing it, I didn't tell anyone because I was so afraid that I was going to fail again because I had failed at every other thing that I had ever tried. Um, And I just thought how embarrassing would that be to tell everyone I'm doing this huge thing and then not lose any weight and fail at this too. Um, So I waited and I told my family, Um, my mom came up to see me about a month, a little less than a month after I had surgery. And so I had already lost a lot of weight and was eating very small portions. And so I, I told her then, and then I told the rest of my family a couple of weeks after that. Um, and they were all super supportive and they've always been, they're, they're amazing people and amazing family. And, um, they were just really happy for me. Oh, so did you fly back from Mexico by yourself or? pre-COVID or after COVID? Nope. That was after COVID. Um, but yeah, I flew there and flew back by myself. Um, it was great. It was a great experience. So I think, um, there was four other people that had surgery the same day that I did. So you kind of have this little cohort of people that you're traveling around with doing your pre-op testing and, you know, meet, meeting with the surgeon and all that stuff. And, um, most of them came without anyone as well. So we got very okay. close and spent a lot of time together. Your surgery sisters, they call it. Do you still talk yeah. to them? I don't. I And I, I wish I did. We never exchanged contact info. And so I don't actually know where they are. I know. I, I remember a lady I went to the hospital and she was like, I'm having my surgery same time as yours. And I was like, oh my God. And I wanted to see her that day so I can get her information. But I never saw her that morning of my surgery. And uh. I never did see her again. And I feel really bad because I don't have a surgery sister. <laughs> I know. I know. I wish I, I wish I knew where they were. I'm, I'm sure they're doing amazing as well. And I hope that they are. Yeah. So have you told other people about um, bariatric surgery to kind of get them to have surgery too? Or have you caught yourself 
trying to share the love? Um, I, so I would, I did not share it very broadly with my friend group. A few close friends know, um, and I've, I've told a few people here and there, um, but I generally haven't told anyone. I, I guess my, it sounds ironic, right? Cause I have this Instagram where I like talk all about it <laughs> to the public, but in my real life, it's, it's still pretty private. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of had, had came to the conclusion with myself that I would, I don't feel the need to share it with someone if they would never benefit from bariatric surgery. So if someone says, Oh, you look great. Like, how did you lose all this weight? But they're already a size two, probably just gonna, you know, say, Oh, you know, just eating less and moving more and which is true. Um, but I, I think if someone were to ask me and I thought that they might be asking because they're looking for a solution for themselves, then I would certainly share it with them. How have your besties felt about it? Like your best, best friends? Super supportive. They are. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really happy for me. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people say relationships change after bariatric surgery and after you lose weight. And I'm really grateful that mine haven't. Um, my friends have been nothing but supportive and kind and encouraging and, um, yeah, I mean, they, they're, none of them struggle with their weight. So I think maybe that is a little bit of a different dynamic, but as I, as my clothing to, you know, one of my good friends, let me come over and shop her closet and gave me a bunch of clothes to see me through for a few months until I, I could buy some for my own and for myself. And so, um, yeah, they've just been, they've been awesome. Oh, that's so good though. I totally love that when you have your, cause I, I was scared too with my husband and was like, Cause you hear so many stories that, you know, whenever you do this, the whole dynamic changes between partners and, you mm-hmm. know, friendships. And it, it, it is kind of scary, I think. Mm-hmm. But, um, and he did amazing with it. I think he gained weight cause he felt like he needed to eat my leftovers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't eat everything on my plate. So it yeah. was like, he felt obligated. He was like, well, somebody's got to eat it. You know, <laughs> leftovers are really tough. Yeah, I think my dog gained weight for the same reason because I would always be in my leftovers. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But but now you can go buy something that you ate before surgery and you take it home and it lasts you like four meals. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is weird. I used to always get a Chipotle bowl after I would play volleyball on Sundays. I would go and get a Chipotle burrito bowl with like chips and a drink and I would eat the whole thing chips, drink the whole soda. And now sometimes I'll go do that just because it's like, I want, I have like nostalgia for that. And I can't even finish an entire Chipotle bowl in the amount of time before it goes bad. Like I get, you know, three or four meals out of it and then I have to throw it out because it's like just so much food. And and every time that happens, I'm like reminded of like, oh my gosh, I used to eat this whole thing and then some. I mean, I think that too, it's like, how did I eat this much food? It's like, I don't, and now I go to restaurants and we go to places and they bring me this huge plate. And I was like, is this a normal plate for people? Like, yeah. is this what they really feed? Like, it's huge. this is like four meals, four or five meals. And it's just like, I, I don't know how I ate that much before. I know it's wild. I don't even understand how I, I mean, I do know I put it in my mouth and I chewed it and swallowed it <laughs> and, it was, and it was good. But sometimes you're like so hungry. You're like, I'm so hungry. I'm starving. And you want to get all this. I, I bet you looked at that bowl and you thought, oh, God, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat all of it. You know, and you can't. You can't. Yeah. You like three bites. And have you started getting the children's menu? Or- I haven't. Sometimes I'll, I'll just order an appetizer. If there's something that looks good, that's usually a good portion size. Um, but I haven't ever asked for a kid's menu or ordered off a kid's menu money <laughs> at that restaurant that you went to I do know that you can order you can get like the rice and then you can get a sampling and they give you these little containers of everything and oh. so it's just a small little bit of sampling of everything oh that sounds good so that way you don't like have like a ton and I've also mm-hmm. heard of a lady um she orders the salads in restaurants like say you get the Caesar salad, but tell, tell them no salad. So you just get the chicken and all the protein and, oh. and all, 
you get everything that comes with it except the salad because that's what's going to fill you up the most and you don't have room for the protein. So, yeah, but I like the salad, so that would make me sad if I couldn't I eat the salad. Yeah. What's your biggest trick or your biggest thing that you found out that works for you that has been just a life changer and just an easy go-to thing that every day you you do it? Oh, that's a tough question. So I, I do drink a half a protein shake in my coffee still every morning. Um, so I don't, I usually don't have more than one cup. So it's about 15 grams, but I feel like that's always a good start to the day just to make sure I get a good solid 15 grams in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, it's been, I know a lot of people meal prep. I am not a meal prepper. I tried, it's just not a thing that I can do and I'm not good at it. So for me, it's always been, you know, finding easy, quick to assemble kinds of foods. So I like to buy, um, romaine lettuce that's like pre-washed and you can buy it in like the thing and so you can take a big piece out put some lunch meat on put some cheese on and have like a little lettuce lettuce wrap that takes about two seconds to make so things like that are kind of my go-to like anything that's really easy that I can like grab out of the fridge assemble in two minutes and call it a day um that's my go-to and my other go-to I got this from my dietitian's recipe book is um meat sauce with spaghetti squash. So you just brown up some ground beef or ground turkey, put some red sauce on it, cook a spaghetti squash, and then you have like a a really nice balanced meal of protein and fiber and it takes hardly any time at all. Oh, wow. How do you do that? Um, I cook it in the oven, put a little bit of water in a glass dish and then bake it in the oven. And then you kind of use a fork and you shred it. So it gets that like pasta, like consistency. So use that instead of pasta. You could do regular pasta too, if you wanted, but, um, I like the, the fiber that I get from the spaghetti squash. So no, I I, I love that. My husband hates squash, but I, I can't have gluten. So, um, I would love, I would always do that with the the squash. Um, it's like a, and it tastes just like pasta. It's like, I think it tastes better. I love it. Good. It's so good. It tastes so good. I mean, it's, yeah, it's better than bread, I think. Yeah, I agree. What's your favorite um, protein shake that you drink? The classic Fairlife. (laughs) It's the only one that I like, really. Do y'all have vanilla over there? Because I'm in Texas and the vanilla is gone. Well, I have not been able to find it in stores ever, but I ordered on Amazon and I'm pretty sure I paid double the retail value for it but I just like it that much that I will oh the $36 you're paying $36 for 12 I know I want to do that so bad my husband's like you are not buying that $36 again for 12 of them I know it's crazy I love fair life so much me too I really the vanilla fair life is like it's just, it's, it's, it's just, just a godsend. It's so good. It, it is put it so good. Anything. And it's so good. The strawberry is really good. I so all we have here is chocolate. Yeah. Um, strawberry is good. Strawberry is really good for making like protein pudding. I mostly just drink protein shakes in my coffee these days. So I have to find the vanilla, which is why I will pay the $36 on Amazon to get the mm-hmm. vanilla, mm-hmm. but it pains me every time. Yeah, the only thing that I found instead of that, because I don't have the vanilla, um, is ProCare has this pr- the vanilla protein powder. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a protein powder person. Like after yeah. surgery, I just could not do protein powder. I have a really hard time. Yeah, same. See, I'm making that gross out face because it's the <laughs> thought of it, you know. <laughs> but I, um, so you make your coffee right and then you just get your scoop of your the protein powder and you just put it in your coffee the hot coffee and you can put your cream or whatever and it literally just falls apart you don't even have to like really? stir it hard or work hard at stirring it or you need like an electric stir or stir thing or any okay. of that. you literally put it in there and it just like disappears Okay. They actually just sent me some of those. So I have a little packet. I'm going to try that tomorrow. Okay. Well, see, 
Yeah. yeah. And so it, that's the only thing that I found that I can stomach and it has a good taste. And I found that if I use the pro try the pro care in the coffee by itself, okay. but it, it has like a little sweeter taste, but it's not an artificial taste and mm. it tastes like creamer. I mean, it, okay. for me it did, but if you need a little extra sweet, you can put some creamer in it or, um, yeah. stevia or whatever you normally put in your coffee, but Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try that. That sounds good. Yeah. $36. Is, I know. I think they're lying. I think they're lying. I think they got a warehouse full of fair life and they're like, <laughs> no, let's just hold out. Cause these people are paying $36. Yeah. They know the bariatric community is single-handedly subsidizing them. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to put it on the shelf for $18. anymore. Yeah. So, I know it's crazy. It's so good though. It's like the vanilla one tastes like icing. It, it, what does so it taste good. like to you? What does it taste like to you? Kind of like a, maybe a, a vanilla milkshake or something like that. It just, it doesn't taste like a protein shake at all to me. It's yummy. It's not powdery. Yeah. It tastes fake. It, it tastes like it's real dairy and it's, I mean, yeah. it is real dairy, but it doesn't have the lactose in it. So I could drink it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We need to write fair life and tell them <laughs> Please bring it back. I don't know what's going on with the vanilla beans in the world right now, but they need to fix this because yeah, it's, it's really sucking right now. I'm struggling. <laughs> yes. It's a dire situation. Yeah. Oh, and I was going to tell you the pro care. I even put it in my frozen, like I try to make my fake frappuccinos because oh, yeah. I was a frappuccino drinker. Uh. <laughs> like my sister used to make fun of me because- I would get a venti caramel frappuccino with extra whip, extra, extra whip, and extra, extra caramel drizzle. <laughs> and they would pile it in there. And it was like so much. And she was like, are you sure you don't want any more? And I was like, she would make fun of me. And I was like, it's so good, but it's so bad for you. But anyway, so you can use the protein, the pro care um protein powder and do the same thing put it put your ice in a cup mm-hmm. put put your fair life the milk because mm-hmm. we don't have the years and yeah. um and then you put in your scoop of protein the protein powder and it just thickens up like a frappuccino that sounds amazing yeah and i i still put whipped cream on it though yeah <laughs> i still do and i still have the caramel drizzle but I know I can't have a lot. I just put like a tiny bit. It's just nostalgia. Yeah. I think now we eat the things that we ate before. It's more of a, oh, look, I ate it. It was okay. Yeah. But I don't know why I was so obsessed with that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, everyone's different in, in how they handle their post-op bariatric life. But for me, I think um, I never want to go back to a place of like intense restriction on what foods I can and can't eat. So I really like to take the everything in moderation approach. And, um, you know, if it's something like, like the frappuccino with whipped cream and the drizzle, like I just will tell myself, like, I can have this again. This isn't the last time I'm going to eat this. So I don't need to have a pound of whipped cream. I just need a little bit because then I can have a little piece of it and it'll satisfy me and and I can have it again. Um, and that's been working well for me, that kind of everything in moderation approach. Yeah, no, no, it's, I mean, I've, I kind of, has your body wanted to become a vegan? Because it seems like a lot of people with barogic surgery, they're like, I can't eat meat anymore. I can't do dairy anymore. I, it's like your, the body stops them from doing certain things. Have have you found that with yours? No, No? not at all. Mm -mm. Oh, okay. I eat all the meat. (laughs) I know. I love me. I, my body wants to be a vegan. It's interesting. It, yeah, I get sick. Uh, it, it wants me to be a vegan and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give in. I refuse to give up meat. I can't. Yeah. I haven't, I really haven't had any food intolerances or issues with foods. Like every now and again, something won't set quite right. Usually like rice or breads or things like that. It'll just like kind of feel funny in my stomach. But other than that, I've been able to eat just about anything, which is a blessing and a curse, I guess. 
I mean, but that's good that you can eat those things and you don't, you know, have you ever dumped? No, never. Oh my God. You're like the fifth, every episode <laughs> they've never dumped. I'm like a professional dumper over here. I'm, I'm a, I need to write a book on it because I will tell you every in and out literally easy because it's supposed to be pretty rare with bsg isn't it i i guess so but you know for me to i should um preface would say before bariatric surgery i was already celiac i mean i already knew Mm -hmm. i was allergic to wheat barley rye you know celiac whole thing yeah um i was already lactose intolerant i already had a sensitive stomach from hot food because my stomach had just been through the ringer all these years and I didn't know you know mm. and so I kind of went in already with a sensitive stomach okay so it just um yeah so I'll eat something I'm getting better at it I think I haven't dumped in like a couple of months that's um, good the hardest thing is just finding your limit right finding your portion amount or the kinds of foods that you eat or what works, what doesn't like, it's, it's really hard finding that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was really, really hard for me. I think I, it, it took me, I think I'm, I'm just a year out now. I'm like a year, um, in a few months out. Mm-hmm. Oh shoot. No, I'm almost a year and a half out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Time so I'm, wise. I'm, I'm professional over here. I know what I'm doing. No, I don't. I want well, to post. Probably... I want to post on Instagram. Look, nobody knows what they're talking about. Like no. we're just <laughs> swinging it every day, just trying yeah. to figure it out. Like everybody else, like it's there is no. Hey, I'm a you know three years out. I know everything. There is no there. Is, no, yeah. it doesn't work like Never. that. Still trying to figure it out. How is dating going? Because you're um, so pretty, you put your makeup on, your hair. Oh man, I bet, girl. It's pretty non-existent right now. Um, so I was single before I had surgery. I am still single. Um, before surgery, I was trying to date, you know, on dating apps and things like that, and not really having much success. And um, I, I would say dating now is a little bit different. Um, I definitely feel more confident. I feel like I get a very different like reception from men, which is, which kind of makes me sad. And I know that's, you know, that's just how the world works sometimes, but yeah. Um, but I still haven't found a great guy that I want to go on more than a couple of dates with. And so still, still out here looking. <laughs> Isn't it weird though, how men will literally run to open the door for you? Or they'll do these grandiose things now. Sometimes I'll stop myself oh, and I tell them, oh my God, thank you so much. Like, that was so sweet of you. And then it, it, I catch it. It's just because I lost weight yeah. and they're seeing the other CC, you know, and um, yeah. I don't know, I, I, I kind of resent it. Do you resent it now that you get all of that? compliments and stuff because you were still the same person yeah yes and no I mean sometimes it confuses me like tonight I was in line to order a sandwich at the grocery store and I, I walked up and there were like there was a guy waiting and then another guy and then I, w- I got in line behind that guy and he was like oh you can go ahead and I was like like looking around like what what's he doing that he wants me to go ahead of him but I was like okay and then as we kept waiting I realized like oh no he he's still also just waiting to order so when the next person got called I looked at him and I was like you know you were here first do you want to go and he's like no 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 please go ahead and then I was like well what is happening like this is so bizarre does he just like is he just like trying to be nice so usually it confuses me more than anything because I'm like trying to figure out logically why any of this is happening like why are you going out of your way to be nice to me for absolutely no reason yeah um your brain's trying to explain it away. It's like, yes. Oh, he yeah. did it. Oh, he did that because he's waiting on someone or you're trying to explain it away because right. it cannot possibly be about you and you're beautiful. 
but right, you like are. He, he was yeah. still trying to decide and he didn't know how long it was actually going to take. And now he's yeah. probably regretting letting me go ahead of him and I should offer to let him go and like all these things. And then suddenly you're like, oh no, I think he was just like, I don't know. I don't know if you can call that flirting or just being nice to someone. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it does. It does make me sad. I think especially in dating, it makes me sad because pre weight loss, there were definitely times where I, you know, I tried to present myself on these dating apps as accurately as possible, but you also want to like put your best foot forward. So you're not going to put a picture where you look horrible. You're going to put a picture where you look nice. And even if I had full body pictures, I had times where I thought, you know, these guys were like, like we would meet up for the first time and you could kind of see that they were like maybe a little bit disappointed or, um, just not into it. And so I think the, like more often than not now, I'm the one to say, I don't want to continue this. Whereas before it was like very much the opposite. Like, you know, a guy would, we'd go on one date and then I'd never hear from him again. And that does make me really sad because I am still the same person that I was like, nothing yeah. about me has changed. It's just what's on the outside. Um, mm -hmm. And that's disappointing. But I also, I understand like we're, we're human and you have to be attracted to someone. And if you're not attracted to someone, then it's probably not going to work out. And so that's also part of it. So, you know, I try to be kind of understanding, I guess, as understanding as I can be. You have also found your self-worth in this and, and you know what your time is worth. And mm -hmm. you're after your first date, you're like, okay, I'm not, even if, before, if he would have called you back, say it's God again, you would have said, okay, yeah, sure. And you would have been happy. But now you're like, um, no, I think I'm good. You know, and you know your worth now. What yeah. does that feel like to change that whole mindset? It feels, it feels good. It feels empowering. I think part of that comes with the confidence that comes from having lost weight. And I think part of that also comes with age. I'm 36, almost 37. And so I'm, you know, pretty self-sufficient on my own. And I think I, I know what I want in life and what I want from a partner. And so I'm not willing to settle for anything less than that. I'd rather be single and have a bunch of dogs than be with someone who's, you know, the wrong guy for me. So, yeah. um, I think maybe the weight loss has just helped me. I think I've always felt that way, but I, I feel more confident now in, in being able to kind of stand up for myself and, um, and yeah, that, that feels, that feels good. I think that would feel good for anyone, but I sometimes feel sad for the girl that I was before and how insecure I felt and how worthless I felt at times. But then I also feel so proud of that girl because she's the one who made the decision to take this like huge leap of faith and completely change my life. And so I have like so much gratitude for that girl also plus yeah. she did all the hard work you know in, in the 36 years leading up to this <laughs> yeah that's so sweet the whole dynamic has changed now in, yeah you know with our relationship even it's just I I feel better about myself which in turn you know carries over in everything oh, that yeah. I do yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah have you had anybody be mean to you about bariatric surgery? Just on the internet, not in real life. Oh. <laughs> yeah. There are, yeah. you know, there's always going to be the naysayers on Instagram, but for, for every hateful comment that I get on an Instagram post, there's a hundred amazing, positive, supportive ones. So yeah, I don't, I, sometimes it gets to me, but for the most part, I try to just let it you know, roll off my back and not worry about it. Yeah, no, you're, you're doing amazing. And I think if we could sum up to one big tip or advice is don't think that you can't have bariatric surgery. If your BMI is 35 in Mexico and I don't know about Canada, but I know like in Mexico, if you, your BMI is 30, then you can still have bariatric surgery. I think fix it. You needed to lose weight for, because now you're not pre-diabetic anymore. Are you? Nope. Yeah. All those things that you were on the fence on are gone. And I, I think in general, if, 
we all are medical people or whoever makes decisions can can be more proactive. I think it's better mm-hmm. for us to have this surgery before we get to that point, before yeah. we have all of these medical problems. I think that's the way to mm-hmm. go. And I, I think that's great that you did that. Yeah. That screw y'all. I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> I will freaking do it. You know, I also think there's a big misconception that, um, that's like somehow Mexico is less safe because they'll do surgery on a lower BMI. And the reality is that most surgeons in the U S would love to do surgery on someone with a lower BMI, but their hands are tied when it comes to insurance requirements. And I actually learned from a surgeon here in the U S who I consulted with as a self-pay patient. And I was you know, I basically said, like, if my insurance is saying we're not covering this, is it because it's too big of a risk for someone at my size? And he gave me this whole history of, you know, how insurance coverage came to be and that it's it's based on a study from the 90s when it was only gastric bypass and it was still open surgery, not laparoscopic surgery. And so the um, risk benefit analysis is, you know, completely outdated and um, and that, you know, that surgeons recognize the benefit for lower BMI patients, but insurance is always going to be the last to catch up. Um, And so I think, um, I think that's changing. I talk to a lot of people every day on Instagram who are, you know, a little bit lower BMI. And I just was talking to someone today who was just approved for surgery and her BMI is like 34 um, and no, no comorbid conditions and her insurance approved it. So I think things are changing and I'm hopeful that they're changing, but Um, but yeah, again, it, I just would say the message is not, um, that this is not an option for you. It's just that our healthcare system is really slow to see the benefit of this. And so if, you know, you have to be your own advocate and, and search out these solutions for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got to get out there and find out what are my options? Where can I go? Let me consult a different doctor. Let me do try this. Let me try that. And so Mexico, a range I've seen anywhere from like 5,000, I think to eight, I think, you know, is a good range for Mexico, uh, you, you know, VSG yeah. surgery. Good for you for getting out there and being proactive. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, your own advocate to mm-hmm. figure this out because you would have just went the rest of your life. And I had my surgery when I was um, 50. And so, you know, after I had all my kids, after I finished graduate school and, and all this stuff. And so I wish mm-hmm. I did it when I was in my thirties, that would have been freaking cool, you know, yeah. to be young. And that's yeah. great. That's great that you did that. Yeah. I think I, I had, I felt like I was at a fork in the road where I, I realized like I need to do something major to change this direction that I'm headed with my weight and my health, or Mm -hmm. it's going to keep going in the opposite direction and it's just going to get worse. And, you know, I have, um, obesity runs in my family. And so I, I have extended family who I have seen, you know, really struggle with like significant morbid obesity and all of the complications that come along. And, Mm -hmm. um, I just realized like, I don't want that. I, I don't want that for the rest of my life. And it's, crazy now being, you know, a year later on the other side to realize like just how different life is and how like the, the trajectory for the rest of my life is completely different because of this one decision that I made. And, um, you know, it's not to be dramatic, but like, it truly is life-changing. Yeah, it is. I, I say it all the time. It's, it's a food freedom. Like I used to wake up thinking about food. I used to go to bed thinking about food. What am I going to eat or being guilty about the food that I ate? Or it was like Mm -hmm. this everyday rerun of the same shit over every day, every day. And I was like you. And I was like, I can't do this. And I'm so tired. And now I realize the food is taken out of the equation because now I eat. I, I know I need to eat. I get protein. I get whatever. And you know, it's done. It's not like this, you know, and I still eat good food. I'm not saying I eat, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I still eat good food, good protein, but it's not like this, this orchestra of a meal, you know, before it was like a feast, you know, it was like elaborate, you know, because we were hungry. And Mm -hmm. so now I still eat, but it's, it's the food is like, 
taken out of your brain. And so it's that food freedom is just such a blessing, I think. It is. And and there's so much space for life when you take that mm-hmm. out of your brain. I, I just feel like I I say yes to things so much more than I ever used to. I am far more social than I ever used to be. I I can remember like, you know, people would say things like, oh, do you want to go to this like bounce house thing? where I don't know, you jump around a bounce house. And and the first thing I thought in my head was like, what's the weight limit on that bounce house? Can I go do that? And then I just didn't want to deal with it. So I would just say no. And then I would rather just like, you know, sit at home and order takeout and whatever. And now like to be able to just not even think about that, to just immediately say, yes, I want to do that. Or, you know, after work, the first thing isn't what can I go binge on? It's, um, let me take my dog for a walk. Let me go to the park. Let me, you know, do all these things. Like life just becomes a lot fuller when you aren't so consumed with food and weight and all the struggles that come along with that. That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. That you just hit it. It's exactly as you're saying it. If anybody's sitting out there and thinking about bariatric surgery, this is like, it's so huge and it's such a, it's, it really does work. Mm-hmm. It really does help you just follow the path that the doctors give you and it's going to work. Yeah, I, I think that too. But I also think I'm at the perfect place in my life where, you know, I can fully embrace this. And I, I think had I done this at a different time, I don't know if this, if it would have been the same. And so I'm, you know, I'm grateful that I did it now and that I found an amazing community of bariatric patients on Instagram. I had no idea existed and um, that I found podcasts like your to you know hear other people's stories and connect with people. And all of that has made a huge difference in my entire journey. So I think in some ways it was the perfect timing. I always like to ask, do, do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to pass to somebody else out there who's listening? I would say that you're, if you're struggling with your weight, first of all, know that it's not your fault, that you are not a moral failure because you can't lose weight or keep it off. And that it's okay to ask for help. And asking for help was the best thing that I ever did. And I, I think everyone should ask for help. That's good. Thank you so much, Casey. I am so glad that we got to sit and chat. So check out Casey, Casey.vsg. She's on Instagram. She's got a links page. Check out her links. Give her a follow. Give her some love. Support her. She's beautiful and amazing and completely athletic. So when you go mm-hmm. to her page, prepare to be inspired. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, Please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform that you get your podcast. And check us out at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash fairy diaries for more exclusive content, deep dives, and info on upcoming events. Don't forget, follow us on social media. See you there.